Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time at a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but just open to there, or is it chapter 6? Sorry. Sorry. Ray, Ray, no, Ray gave me the look, said, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Ray keeps me in line. I can just give Ray a look, and he, he can, we communicate through our eyes. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, but we're not going to get there quite yet. I want to kind of um, get there before we get there. So I, uh, I really love that, the Sabbath series we did, and um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope as we were singing, you know, this is the year of the Jubilee that has a new meaning to you or a deeper understanding to you. But I really love the Sabbath laws and everything because it was so practical, right? I mean, I, you probably, when you started the Sabbath series, you might have thought, oh boy, how are we going to do that? But then we, we were talking about money, we were talking about time, we were talking about uh, caring for creation and the environment. We were talking about uh, you know, social justice. We were talking about work and what godly work looks like in our lives. I mean, we were hitting all the really practical things. Um, and so this morning, we're, I promise you, we'd, we'd be done with the Sabbath series, but I just felt led uh, to continue in that vein for at least one more week uh, for a really practical thing. I felt led that there's one thing missing out of that series we didn't really talk about that's very practical. And that's our bodies, uh, our physical bodies. So we talked about creation as a whole, but we didn't talk about our individual bodies, our, our physical bodies. And you might say, well, again, that, that's a kind of weird thing in church. Aren't we here for spiritual uh, food? Aren't we here for spiritual? And I, I would just say, and what, hopefully at the end of this sermon you'll agree with me, um, that the physical is spiritual. There, there's really no dichotomy and that when we try to, we run into problems when we try to split the two apart because we humans are spiritual and physical and there's, there's no getting around it. And the Christian hope is not that I'd be cast for the ghost on a cloud. The Christian hope is that the dead would be resurrected to new life and that life is in the body. And so uh, we in the church sometimes don't really do a good job of talking about our bodies. Um, and, and that's for good reason. Um, because our bodies can be very frustrating, right? In fact, I would say that for most people, either their draw to God or their pushing away God is found in this experience of the body, of suffering, of pain, of death. Either some folks depend on God through those times or some folks are pushed away from God during those times. And so what I'd say to us is we better have a good and healthy and Christian understanding of our body. Um, otherwise, we'll run into some problems, right? And that's what I want to do with us this morning. Also, we need, we need to talk about it because our culture and our society has such problematic ways of thinking about our bodies. Um, and, and one of the first is that there's just a lot of shame around our bodies, right? Um, mainly because we are told and shown over and over and over and over and over in advertisements of what 
a good body looks like or what a beautiful body looks like or, or what you should look like. And so many of us are, are, are growing up and, and maybe this, I don't, I don't, we say it's just teenagers struggle with this. I don't think that's the case. I think plenty of adults struggle with body image and, and loving our bodies and understanding our bodies because we are shown images that say, well, if, you know, for guys, you need to be ripped, you know, to be attractive or you have a normal body or for women, you need to look like this certain way. Um, and so many of us end up struggling with who we are and, and loving ourselves, right? And so there, there's just misinformation and there's just horrible messages being taught to our children and to our adults about what good bodies are, right? And some bodies aren't as attractive as others. And that's a problem, and that creates a lot of problems in us. And I'd venture to say that many of us, if we've thought about our bodies in the last 30 days, it's been with worry or fear or anxiety or shame, or frustration, right? Um, and so that, that's a major problem. It, it's also our, our culture and our society uh, kind of sometimes does the reverse, and, and now the body becomes the place of religiosity, right? That my faith becomes how healthy I am. Um, I, I, heard, I heard somebody talking about, I don't know if it was an article or something, they were just commenting on, how many churches are closing and how many CrossFit gyms are going into those churches, right? And it was tongue-in-cheek to say this really is the, the new religiosity of folks, that I can't be bothered to barely go to church once a week, but you better believe I'll be in the gym four times a week, right? I'll pay to go to that gym to work out every day. Why? Because how healthy I am is my new spirituality, my, my new focus, my new religion, right? And I don't want to put down, we're going to talk about what it means to help be a healthy life, but I just want us to realize that in the absence of faith, that our bodies can quickly become our faith and our religion. And we see this very much in kind of the understanding of like the clean food movement and, and going to organic and different things. And again, we're going to talk about what it means to eat healthy, uh, but as someone who's studied religion all around the world, and especially the primary way that people lived out their faith throughout the history of religion, Jews and Christians alike, uh, but whether you're Hindu or Muslim or anything, was what you ate. That you had clean foods and you had unclean foods, and you'd better not touch those unclean foods. And boy, if you listen to some people today that have no faith whatsoever, it's the same message. Why? Because there's something about us humans and there's something about a, a spirituality aspect that we want to make sure that we only take in good food, right? And so again, I'm not trying to put that down completely. We need, I'm going to talk about watching what you eat, but I'm just saying that in place of faith, that very quickly our culture will say, well, basically your body's your site of worship, right? And that's not a new thing. That has been going on for thousands and thousands of years, right? Um, and so we need to say, hey, all right, what is our Christian understanding? When we have all this bad messaging or we can go down so many roads, if we don't have good messaging, if we don't have a Christian understanding of the body, we're going to get tripped up and, and, and fall into problems. But this isn't a unique problem uh, for us this morning, and it doesn't, hasn't just changed recently because even from the earliest of churches, we see that they had big issues, 
around the body and how to handle it and what to do with it, right? And we see that this morning, 1 Corinthians. Uh, if, you ever wanna, if you ever think the church is a frustrating place today or messed up place today, uh, just read Corinthians, uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Just read that and you'll realize, oh, okay, you know, church has always been this place of saints and sinners together, right? Uh, church has always been sometimes a very messy affair. My dad always had a, a, a saying that I loved. He said, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll just mess it up. And it's, it's the truth. I mean, there's no such thing as the perfect church. And if there was, Andrew Crimmins couldn't be a part of it because Andrew Crimmins would probably mess it up in some way, right? Um, and so it, it, it is. It is the coming together, and uh, none of us are perfect individuals, and the, the church isn't. And, and this is what we see in Corinthians. But what's happening in First Corinthians, we're going to look at starting in verse 12. But there's some people that are saying this type of mentality that, you know, thankfully we're saved by Christ. We have faith in Christ, and now we have freedom in Christ, and all of our sins are forgiven, and we're in the era of grace, and it's great. And, uh, but, you know, these bodies, they're only temporary, and it doesn't really matter what happens to our bodies. They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get, uh, you know, thrown to the fire. We're going to get new bodies, so it doesn't matter. And, you know, there's, just, there's enough grace so we can do whatever we want. There's freedom in Christ, right? It doesn't matter. And they were taking it to an nth degree, and Paul's going to say, hold up, wait a minute, time out. You are twisting the message of the gospel into such a way that it's leading you into sin and it's leading you into your brokenness. And so I just want us to say this idea that, well, we don't need to focus on our bodies. It doesn't really happen. Paul is going to refute that here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So let's look at verse 12 and see what Paul has for us this morning. Um, starting verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. Let me stop there really quick. So your translation may have uh, quotation marks in there, and it, it probably should be. Some of our translations have the quotation marks in there. Uh, in the Greek, there are no quotation marks. There's no such thing as quotation marks in the Greek. But it's, they're in there because it's obvious that Paul is doing rhetorical writing style. He's kind of quoting his opponents and the people that are saying the wrong thing, and he's refuting that, right? Um, here's what I want to disagree. I'm going to take in my pastoral authority and, and disagree with our translation. I believe that that quotation mark needs to be moved down to under the other, that at Paul is still, that entire sentence right there is an entire quote of his opponents. Because his opponents are saying that it doesn't matter, you know, food's meant for the stomach and stomach for food, and it doesn't matter what we do with any of it because God will destroy both one and the other, and then Paul's going to refute that. Does that make sense? That's actually a pretty major point. That's, I usually don't stop mid-scripture sentence, but where those quotation marks lie is how you interpret the passage. And, uh, and those quotation marks aren't in the Greek, so we have to make that decision. But it is clear that Paul is quoting his opponents. Uh, side note, this was actually my first exegetical project in, in college, and so it's one of my favorite passages to study like that. So 
Paul is quoting his opponent saying, you're saying this, right? It doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want. All things are lawful for me. And he's saying, no, but all things are not beneficial for you. All right, let's keep going. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you can see how far some folks are taking it, you know, from uh, this idea that the body doesn't matter. We can kind of, we have as much freedom as we want that he's actually, you know, saying, you, you can't be going and visiting a prostitute because it, it matters. Your body matters, right? So we can see the extremes that the Corinthians were, were taking it to. But Paul doesn't just say, hey, it matters a little bit. Paul doesn't just say, hey, uh, just don't be doing that bad stuff. Paul actually gives us an incredible vision of what the body really is. And in fact, he, high, he brings the body up to the highest pedestal you can. So if you ever you hear people talk about body positive, Paul is about as body positive as you can be, right? Because he says your body, if you're united with Christ, your body, each body in here that's united with Christ is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That our bodies are the place where heaven and earth come together because that the Holy Spirit, the infinite God, chooses to dwell within us. Not just within my spirit, within my body. My body becomes the container for God. And so just think about it. If I could give you, if I could give you one little box I said, Johnny, in this little wooden box right here, this holds the infinite God. Would you take that out, that box out, throw it in the back of your car, let it rattle around, not worry about it, get, let it get... No. You would cherish it. Oh, you'd protect it. You'd say, look, here, here's where God resides. What Paul is saying is, is that's what our bodies are. Our bodies are the living box that the Holy Spirit, that the infinite God that we can't understand dwells within when we are united with Christ. There is no higher understanding of the body. And then Paul takes it one step further and, and includes this and says, don't you know that if you're united with Christ, that your body is a part of the body of Christ now? Paul, uh, he uses this in almost all of his letters. He talks about us, uh, the church, as the body of Christ, which we are individually members, right? When you think of members, don't think about membership on a team. Think about my finger being a member. That's what he's meaning in the Greek. Like, my arm's a member of my body, right? That you are individually 
smaller members of the larger body of Christ. So some of us might be elbows, some of us might be shoulders, some of us are mouths, eyes, ears, right? That you are a member of the body of Christ. That means, Max, your body, I mean, Paul doesn't mean this just hypothetically. And we saw that when he's talking about sleeping with a prostitute, right? He's not talking about hypothetically. He says, when they came together, you were uniting Christ's body, that of a prostitute. Max, your body is a part of Christ. That we are united with the Lord and, and that how Christ moves in the world, we, we say it like this. We, we say that we, might, we want to be Christ's hands and feet in the world, right? Because how Christ moves in the world is through my physical body. Am I making sense? Because Paul sure takes this very seriously. And we have to understand the theology behind it to understand where he wants us to go with our bodies, right? And so that we actually are and become, when we come to Christ, when we're united with Christ, that our physical bodies matter because they're, a, they're part of the body of Christ. And, th- and this comes out in really we, real ways, right? And so we, we, be- we do the food pantry and we believe that it is part of Christ's mission in the world to feed the hungry. We, we saw him do it and he called us to do it. He said, if you're my followers, you need to feed the hungry, right? Rip, when we do food pantry, do you just sit on your couch and pray about feeding the hungry? Do you just think about it? Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Because you, you guys come together Friday, right? You, you come together Friday and you get your trucks and you get your trailers and you go down to the food bank and you start carrying some heavy boxes, Because doing the spiritual calling of feeding the hungry takes Rip's body, Dale's body, Rusty's body. Rusty's more the muscle of the operation, right? Yeah. I'm being real practical here, folks. If they don't use their bodies, hungry folks don't get food. The mission of Christ doesn't go forward. They are the members of Christ's body feeding the hungry. And Christ's mission doesn't go forward unless they use their bodies. I, I mean this so practically. So, sometimes I don't, I don't like to brush my teeth at night. I mean, I do. I do it every night. Don't, you don't, get, don't get grossed out, right? But there's still that kid in me that sometimes I'm just laying in bed and I'm like, ah, I don't want to get him. I definitely don't want to get him and floss my teeth, right? And just one day it just kind of hit me and this doesn't get me out of bed every time to brush my teeth, but it hit me. I said, you know, this, this mouth, at least for now, declares the word of the Lord. I need to take care of this mouth. I, that, that's what we're talking about. I mean, that's what Paul is talking about. He's, he's going to the very extreme, right, and saying, you know, don't sleep with prostitutes because you're taking Christ to a prostitute. But for us, we need to think about how the mission of God goes forward. God uses our bodies that we are members of Christ's body in a very real way, so our bodies matter. If you think the body of Christ matters, then our bodies definitely matter. And then he says, he, he shifts focus a little bit towards the end. He says, okay, think about this. Your body is a gift from God, right? He says, it's not from you, it is from God. He, didn't, he doesn't use the word gift, but he's saying it's from God. That means gift. How many, you know, 
One of the worst experiences on Christmas morning is you, if you give a child a gift and they unwrap it and they open it up and they say, ugh, ugh. You just want to smack that kid, don't you? Like, you know, you, didn't, you don't deserve that. Now you're saying, ugh. I wonder how many of us look in the mirror and say, ugh. Oh, I wish I had another one. I don't like what I see. I'm not trying to make us feel bad. And I, I, Believe me, I'll be the first to complain. I, I'm not doing that. I, I, I just want to see how we have to change our thinking. Say, yeah, you know, it's not doing as good as it used to, or, but it's a gift. I didn't do anything to deserve the gift of life. And I have the gift of life because, only because God gave me this body. And to believe that somebody else's body is better than yours is a lie. Yeah, somebody may not have pain, and I understand we'd rather not have pain, and some of it, somebody may be able to run a marathon. And we, You know what stops all the comparison, though? Is when we really cherish it as a gift. And when we stop comparing... And on Christmas morning, when you had siblings, I know something we would be tempted to compare, but don't compare. Is that destroys what it really is, and it is a gift from God that gives us life. And so when we look at it as a pure gift, we can say, thank you, thank you. And when we see it as pure gift, is we realize that God doesn't give junk. God doesn't give us things that are bad, that we can be ashamed of, and we shouldn't be ashamed of. In fact, that's why we see in the Garden of Eden before sin came in, that Adam and Eve didn't even need to, they weren't ashamed, they had no shame. Shame comes from sin. Shame comes from our fallen world and nature. And so in Christ, we can recover the giftedness of our bodies and that we look at them as a pure gift of God. And that means please don't look down on your body, even though we all have different bodies. They look different. They operate different. Some of us might want them to operate better, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is a gift. Also about the gift is that, and we're, this is where we're leading to, is that if you give someone a gift and they treat it poorly, that's a bad recipient of the gift, right? If I, if I spend a lot to give you something, if I if get, give Johnny that box and he throws it in the back of his truck, that means he doesn't care about the gift giver. And he doesn't res- respect it. And so that the fact that our bodies are a gift, not our own, means that we need to take care of them. In fact, Paul says, not only are they a gift, but they're a gift that did not come cheaply. That, and notice the context here, what Paul's saying. He, he said, you were bought with a price. That price, he is saying, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to redeem you. And what Paul's saying, and we, we mess it up so many times, is we just think, you know, Jesus died to save my soul. And what Paul's saying is, Jesus died to save you. You, body, mind, and spirit. God's redemption is holistic. It's for all of creation. Christ died for these bodies that we wish were better. Even while we were fallen, even while we were in sin, Christ died for us. And Paul says that gift Christ bought with a price. 
And this is his serious point. So don't treat it cheaply. And when we treat our bodies cheaply like they're disposable or it doesn't matter or I don't want it or I want another one, that's how we're treating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ made for us. That seems like a big leap for you. Just go back to the scripture of what Paul is telling the Corinthians. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify Christ in your body, with your body. There are bodies to be used, this gift is to be used not for our own pleasure, not for whatever we want, or not to be thrown away or dissuaded. It is used to glorify God, to serve God in all of our contexts. All right, so that, that's Paul's theological understanding uh, for us. And, and, and bef- I want to get to the practical, like what this looks like for us in, in just the last few minutes. But very quickly, let me just say that I'm, I'm not saying this to you know, shame anybody. Oh, you know, we got to throw away shame. And, and what I want us to see is just a sea change of understanding of our bodies as a gift from God that are good, that are beautiful, that give, help give us life, right? And... Um, I know some of us have chronic pain. I know some of us struggle. Um, some of us do. I know in a group this size, many of us have body image issues, right? And what I want us to say is that when we look at our bodies, to see a, a beloved gift of God that God loves, right? And that gives us life and we can be thankful for and don't believe the images out there. Um, but we also have to have the sea change in the church that our bodies matter and what we do with our bodies matters, Right? and that we want to treat them as a good, expensive gift from God, all right? So there's a few just real quick practical things, I think, that flow from this for us. And it doesn't just include, you know, uh, for Paul, don't go to prostitutes, you know, different things like that. There's some positive aspects to what it means that this is a gift for us. And so the first I would just say is that we should, if, if we're going to care for this Um, gift from God, if we're going to treat it appropriately as the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be as healthy as we can be. Um, That just like, you know, we don't want the sanctuary falling apart because it represents the place where we worship God and that the the Holy Spirit comes and meets with us. And we, we, it's the same for our bodies. That as much as within our power to be healthy, we should be. Now, I recognize, um, that a lot's without our control, right? Um, and that is the fallen nature uh, of our bodies. And that's why we are seeking the redemption of our bodies. And so I'm not here to make us feel bad when we're not healthy. Um, I, I really hear me, I'm not trying to create a new legalism. So when I talk about some of these things, uh, I, I don't want, oh, pastor, if I pastor sees me in McDonald's drive through lane getting two hamburgers, he's going to judge me. No, that's not what it's about, right? Uh, This is not a new legalism, but I do want us to think about if I'm going to care for this gift, I need to try to be as healthy as I can be. That I need to treat it well. I need to cherish it. Um, And so what I'd say, be as healthy as you can be. Exercise. Uh, I'm going to start sounding like a doctor, but we need to hear this in the church, right? You know, I think about it like this. I, I was listening to a psychologist talk, and he just said that um, Rebecca heard this as well, that he said exercise is more powerful than the most powerful psychiatric drug that they have to help us feel good. Um, what his point is, is yeah, you, I, you, know, you could take lithium and you could be knocked out of different things, 
but the biggest help to Andrew Crimmins' psychological function is to exercise well. And boy, if this isn't true for me, and I, I, I dare you to try it yourself. If you're not exercising regularly, getting an, enough exercise, you are going to worry more. You're going to be easily, more easily frustrated. And here's the thing, folks. That's spiritual things, right? The, those are spiritual things. If I can't keep my patience with my spouse and I'm spouting off to her because I haven't exercised for two months, that's a spiritual thing. And if exercise can help me be more patient, can help me be more loving, well, then I need to be doing it. You hear me? And not only that, but exercise we know is what helps us be healthy. I'm not saying you need to go run three miles. Uh, exercise looks different for each of us, right? But we need to exercise. Um, and that has spiritual implications in some way or shape or form. Uh, we should eat well. Uh, we, we shouldn't uh, abuse, abuse our bodies and realize what goes into them is important, right? Again, I still want people to bring casseroles to our covered dishes, right? You know, I... I don't want to just eat spinach all day, right? But so many things uh, we need to think about how we eat. I really believe food has changed. I mean, I don't believe, I know. How we eat has changed in incredible ways in the last 80 to 100 years, right? And so 100 years ago, children couldn't eat Cheetos all day because there's no such thing as Cheetos and there wasn't the, the processed foods we have now. And today, a child could just be eating Cheetos and Coca-Cola, and that's very unhealthy. I mean, we just all know that, right? Um, and, and so we need to, to eat healthy. Again, not trying to create a new legalism. I, I think we have, we have not talked about this well in the church, um, and sometimes there's been hypocrisy. And so we, we've made people that smoke feel really bad, but yet the pastor will eat as many rolls as he or she can fit in their mouth, right? And so and what we're realizing is, is, you know, unhealthy eating practices are just as unhealthy as a lot of other practices, right? Um, I, need, I need to move forward, but uh, eat healthy, exercise, get enough sleep, do preventative medicine, uh, listen to the doctors. We do all this, why? Because it's a good gift from God. And friends, if, if you're not healthy enough, if, if something happens to Rip or Rusty or Dale, the work of Christ is impacted by that. This isn't just a, well, pastor says I need to be healthy. This really, as a pastor, I've seen this over the last almost four years now. When we lose folks, when we lost Richard Banks, that was a blow to the ministry of this church. Um, it affects the kingdom of God. Why? Because our bodies are a part of the body of Christ. And that's how we carry his mission forward. So it matters. So when you eat, when you sleep, when you, I want you to think about this matters. And if it doesn't matter the kingdom of God, then you aren't glorifying God in your body. So if you think, oh, no one will notice if I eat that, then you, you need to think about, am I doing enough with my body for the kingdom of God? Uh, but also, I, I, I can't talk about the body without talking about we Christians, and, and we have always been clear, and Christ was clear, that our body's not just there to cherish, not to just pat on the head and say, boy, that, what a wonderful body. We just need to take care of it. Our bodies also need discipline, right? They're, they're almost like a child. And, and to say, you know, if I just, you know, treat Desmond like he's the prince of Persia all the time, he's going to be a spoiled brat. And uh, we're not here just to treat our body. We need to discipline our bodies. Um, and we need to be clear on that. Paul's talking about that in sexuality, right? Uh, don't just sleep with whoever you want to. Mar uh, sexuality is for within marriage. And that's a way that we discipline our bodies, that if we just gave in to all of our sexual desires, we would be extremely selfish 
people that would only be focusing on what Andrew Crimmins wants and different things. So we need to discipline those desires, right? But the same happens in food. And one of the primary spiritual practices of the church was fasting. And the reason we have always fasted and we need to fast is not because it's some way to control God, not that it's some way to get a handle on God and to force God to do what you want, but it's a way for us to humble ourselves. It's a way for us to, in a sense, purify ourselves and to remind ourselves that food and physical sustenance is not the most important thing, but hunger for God. It's a way for us to discipline our bodies to say, I'm not controlled by my desires. Even my most stringent desires of food, I'm controlled by the will of God and I want to do his kingdom. Now, I know some of us can't fast um, and I know we, get, we, we need to be careful because with body image things and, and um, anorexia and different things, it, it, it shouldn't be treated lightly. Uh, but fasting is a good spiritual practice. There's one quote that John Piper, I think this really illustrates why we need to consider uh, fasting. Uh, he, he writes, The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. John Piper's saying there is that the comforts of this world, including food and all the else, can dull our sense and hunger for God and His kingdom in such a way that we lose sight of the kingdom of God. That our couch can get so comfortable, that eating well can get so comfortable. I don't need church. I don't need to serve. I've got a good life. That's what he's saying. That's why we, especially in the land of plenty in the United States of America, need to cut out times to say, I'm going to not eat that meal. I'm going to let the hunger pains draw me closer to God. I'm going to spend some time in prayer instead of eating and remind ourselves of who we truly depend on. Um, and so if you want to talk more about fasting, I need to close up, but fasting is a spiritual discipline. All right. When I, when I played sports as a, a kid, my, uh, my coaches used to say, in every sport, they, they seemed to tell each other this saying, and uh, I hated it because it was true. They would, they would say, hey, you, uh, you play like you practice. They would tell us that during practice so we wouldn't goof around too much, right? Because I didn't want to. I was just say, coach, it's practice. I feel like Allen Iverson. Does anybody know that reference? It's practice. No one knows that. Is it anyone Allen Iverson that said that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's It's practice. Going off the rails here, Pastor. Uh, it's practice, right? It doesn't matter. I can goof around. Coach, I'll, I'll get serious when it's game time, right? It's practice. It doesn't matter. The, the hard thing was is they were right. That if you didn't practice seriously, if you didn't take practice seriously, Ray, you know this, right? You'd get to game time and you wouldn't know how to play. You wouldn't be ready for the game. You couldn't play. Sometimes that's how we treat these bodies in this life. Even after we come to Christ, sometimes we're like, oh, now it's practice. We're going to get a new body. doesn't matter what happens to this body. It's just practice. But what Paul is basically saying is here is, if you don't take this body and this life seriously, 
you won't be ready for game time. You won't be ready for when the real game comes. I recognize that this is in some way practice, that I'm looking forward to a new body. I'm looking forward to when these aches and pains and, are gone. But if we don't take this body seriously, if we don't use it to God's glory, if we don't realize that we are the presence of the Holy Spirit and part of the body of Christ, then when we come to game time, friend, you won't be ready. So the question for us this morning is, how are we using our bodies? How are we treating them as gifts of God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this gift of, of the body and, and for life itself. And we thank you that um, you sacrificed so much so that we can be redeemed in your Son's name. And so I pray in these moments as we pray, as we seek your will, and as we come to a time of communion, that we would um, grow in understanding and appreciation of what these bodies are and how we can use them to your glory and, and what it means to be fully alive in Christ. And so speak to us now in these moments, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I, I think if, if anything, um, communion is that stark reminder. There's no such thing as you know, spiritual over here and the body over here, right? Because what do we say? What, what am I about to say? That your salvation came from a broken body and shed blood. That friends, if Christ's body was not broken, you and I would still be lost. Christ didn't just get to, to think about it. Christ didn't stay up in heaven and say, oh, I'll pray for you all. I'll talk to the Father on your behalf. No, he, he came in the flesh and he broke his body. He went to the cross and died so that we could be saved. And so when we come up for communion, what we're coming up, we're, we're remembering that. We're taking the elements of that body and what we're saying is we are receiving salvation from them. We are confessing that we now are a part of his body. And that it is the grace of his broken body that saves us. And then we're also promising, therefore, to go out and to be a member of his body and how we serve and love and call others into the kingdom. So this is the time where we reflect what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and that we are reminded of what our salvation cost. It cost the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. Your body matters. It was bought with a price. How will you respond? You don't have to be a member of our church for taking communion. All that we ask is you make that commitment to Christ. We take this time as a time of prayer. I invite you to pray in an altar about anything going on in your life. You don't need to rush up to communion. You can take time and pray in your seat if you feel so led. I'd also like to pray with you if you'd like to pray with me. If you want to be anointed on anyone's behalf, um, I'd be happy to anoint you and, and pray with you. But when you're ready, respond to God's grace in your life. On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took the bread and said, this is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. 
This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. When you are ready, come receive the grace of Christ. Church family, would you stand with me? I hope as you go throughout your week that you cherish the gift you have been given. May you treat it accordingly, and most importantly, may your body bring glory to God who gave it. Go in peace. Thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.